Welcome to TuneIn YRDSB, inspiring learning through storytelling. Welcome to TuneIn YRDSB. Today we are talking about a topic many families with little ones across York Region are wondering about, starting kindergarten. In YRDSB, we strive to offer warm and engaging and welcoming kindergarten programs that build upon the foundations for learning that families have set in their homes and in their communities. Starting kindergarten is a significant milestone in a family's life. It is an exciting time and families have lots of questions as they think about this new journey for their young child. We will be sharing lots of information with families and try to address many of the questions families have as they look ahead to registering their child for kindergarten. My name is Heather Young and I'm the principal in early years and with me today we have three special guests and I'll invite you to introduce yourselves now. Hello, my name is Ashley LeBlanc. I am working currently as the Early Years Coordinator for YRDSB. Uh, we also have a focus on kindergarten literacy in our team and in a previous role as a teacher. Hi, I'm Parissa Faroudi. I am a kindergarten teacher teaching at Rosedale Heights Public School here in New York Region District School Board. Hi, I'm Haley Brunswick and I'm the DECE at Rosedale Heights and Paris and I work together. So welcome everyone, thank you for joining us today. Um, maybe let's start with talking a little bit about your role. So in Ontario, kindergarten classrooms have two educators, a designated early childhood educator and also an Ontario certified teacher. And you work together closely to collaborate and support children's learning in kindergarten. Can you tell us a little bit more about your roles? Yeah, so Haley and I really work hand in hand from everything in terms of supporting our students, emotional needs and academic needs, from communicating with parents to even planning, you know, the day and the activities and the learning that happens. We do work together. We try to meet and communicate as much as that we can. Um, and I would say if you walk into our classroom, you really wouldn't know who is the DEC and who is the teacher. Both of us know exactly what's happening. Both of us can deal with any situation that comes up. We really do work together in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a good relationship. And I think one of the things that's really powerful about having two educators in kindergarten classrooms in Ontario, both the Ontario Certified Teacher and the Designated Early Childhood Educator, is that they both have complementary skills. Both have um, you know, a regulatory college, they're uh, professionals, and they both bring um, different expertise to the program that really helps strengthen the program and provide that professional background from both roles. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we see that, that children and, and families benefit from having that expertise in the classroom and, and the program benefits. So we're, we're very fortunate to have that partnership. I think what you said there, um in terms of relationships, I think that is so key. And I, and I know that's crucial as we form relationships between children and with families and, and with our colleagues. So thank you for, for sharing that. So I think that's gonna be a thread throughout our conversation, actually, those important relationships. One of the things that we like to focus on in kindergarten is this joyful, playful learning experience that our children have when they enter our spaces. So a question I have for everyone at the table is what brings you joy? We know that many families today uh, who are listening might be looking ahead to registering their child for kindergarten and we want to share with those families that are listening um, what are what are things that you love most about working as a kindergarten educator what brings you joy on that day-to-day -day basis for me having worked with students of all ages um, I really 
this is my favorite age group to teach. I love the amount of curiosity they have just naturally. I love their questions. As an educator, I love the freedom that the kindergarten program gives me to then take their interests and their curiosities and, you know, use that as our starting point to learn. It's a really fun way to teach um, because you already have that engagement. It is something these students are interested in. And rather than having to say, okay, this is what we're learning about and trying to make that an interesting topic, you're working off of this exciting thing that these kids want to learn about or they're interested in it. So I love that. When they get this moment of, look, I did it. Like I did my own zipper or put on my own shoe or... You know, I wrote my name, whatever it might be. I love that spark of joy that we get to see. Mm -hmm. I agree with all of that. The other thing I really love is watching them form relationships with each other. Mm -hmm. Those little friendships, you know, someone's away. Where are they? They get excited to see their friends every morning. That's really joyful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ashley, what brings you joy? Uh, I think for me... um, that my favorite time of the year is in the spring when we first get to meet the families and the new incoming students that are registering for school. It is just such a special moment in a family's life. And to get to be part of that as an educator is a real privilege. Um, and it just brings me joy to get to see um, families and to meet them and, and to get to to play a small role in that experience for them and to get to be part of it. We know it's, you know, it's a big milestone for a family. It's a big transition. It's um, something very exciting and very new. And so that's, that's those moments in the spring as we first start to meet families. That's, that just brings me so much joy. Thank you everyone for sharing. That's so nice. What a great way to start. Um, I I think families uh, listening at home might want to be hearing about just the program itself a little bit too. So just so everyone knows, kindergarten in Ontario is a two-year program. Typically, we might be hearing the language of junior kindergarten or senior kindergarten. And uh, with the implementation of the kindergarten program in 2016, we've shifted language to year one and year two. So you might be hearing us using uh, junior kindergarten, senior kindergarten, or year one, year two interchangeably throughout this conversation. But the question that I'll pose to the group then is, how are you supporting kindergarten learners across that two-year continuum? So when when we plan out any activities, any uh, learning invitations for our students, we always think about having it be something that everyone can participate in, in their own way. So beginning of the year, an example could be we're putting out um, some magnetic alphabet letters, a little alphabet chart, and leaving it there. And so that allows a student who is just learning their letters to maybe come and look at them and match them with what they see on the poster. Another student might be ready for their sounds so they can tell us their sounds. Another student might be able to put those letters and turn it into a word and read the word. So we really do think about putting out things where every student can come and every student can feel successful and proud of themselves, but also allow us to extend their learning and push their learning a little bit further ahead. And I think the best way that we do that is by getting to know our learners. So those first few weeks, the first few months, we really do spend the time to just get to know the students, spend a lot of time playing with them. What are their interests? What are, you know, what are their strengths? What are they currently working on? Just knowing them and then we take that information to help us extend their learning and move them along. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and and because it's two years, there's there's time. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's no there's no rush. We you know we do take that time at the beginning of the year, and it's really important. Mm-hmm. I always tell parents, especially for our. Uh, JK or year one students, I always say our goal is to make your child love school. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the goal of their first year of school. We can get to all the, yeah. you know, the letters and the reading and we have time for that. This year is about really just building that love of I want to come to school, I want to learn, I want to be here because I think that's the foundation for the next, you know, many years forever yeah forever (laughs) just to love learning and love school so yeah we definitely don't want to make it so that any child is feeling like yeah anxious because I'm coming and I'm not feeling successful and this is we don't want that we want it to be fun we want it to be engaging and we just want to really foster that love for learning and being a play-based learning environment allows for that the comfort level to come in and just something's familiar I can sit down and play with it And, you know, that brings all the children joy and happiness about learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's that piece of knowing that children come into kindergarten with so many different strengths. Mm -hmm. And they're going to leave kindergarten with so many different strengths. And across those two years, it's really about educators offering opportunities for kids to meet them right where they are mm-hmm. and then just help them move towards that next step, what that next goal is. And it's very much, um, there's a lot of, of differentiation, a lot of personalization, and and we also build that between kids. That this Having two-year continuum can be really helpful in terms of peers supporting one another. And um, as year one start kindergarten, they have um, older peers in their classroom that can also you know, have some leadership and can and can support them in terms of uh, that adjustment to school. And we often see that when, uh, amongst the children that they're um, supporting one another mm-hmm. and you know being friends with each other and helping one another. And it's really powerful to see that happening too between the kids. That's amazing. I, I want to just loop back to one thing that you mentioned earlier, Haley, around play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is part of the Ontario Ministry of Education's mm-hmm. kindergarten mm-hmm. curriculum in terms of that play-based program. So I'm wondering if we might chat just a little bit about why that play-based program is so important and if you could share a couple examples of what that looks like in your classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The program for kindergarten in Ontario is play-based, as you said, Heather. and. Play is at a, uh, a time where children are at their most engaged. They are um, at their most receptive for learning. And that play can be very um, intentional and purposeful in a classroom. Uh, our educators are very skilled at being able to take experiences that are very playful and joyful and, um, and infuse the learning into it. So bringing in some literacy connections or some math connections, being able to ask questions of the students, um, to be able to you know, model and extend their thinking. And watching that happen, it um, happens very naturally for kids, but that play really becomes the vehicle for driving their learning. And it's um, also developmentally just what they need. It's really matching their, their skill set and their developmental needs and, and helping them learn too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think our role as educators is to see the learning that's taking place, name it, and as you said, ask questions to extend the learning. Just an example from last week in our class, we have these magnetic shapes, magnetiles, very popular item in our class. Mm-hmm. And a group of students, they all year they've been playing with them. 
small structures. It started to get taller and taller and taller. From that, it turned to, Miss Faruti, come over. Let's see, is it taller than yours? You know, so we, I went over, we measured. It wasn't taller than me, and then all the students started to line up. Well, okay, is it taller than this student? Is it shorter, you know? And then we started to say, well, okay, let's see. You have square tiles, so let's count how many tiles how many square tiles tall you are, which is really part of the curriculum. It is part of the measurement unit, measuring with non-standard. And that wasn't something we were teaching in the moment as a whole group, but it presented an opportunity to teach that to that group of students in play. It came naturally. They didn't feel like I'm sitting them down. I'm trying to teach them something. It was through play. And I think it really was meaningful because now they've continued that. So now without me being there, I noticed they do it themselves. Come over. Let's count your 12, you know, 12 squares tiles. So-and-so is 15 squares tiles, which is really lovely to see it come out of play. And I think it really does have a lasting impact for them because it's so just happened naturally and it's not something we're trying to drill in them in a way that maybe is not of interest to them and there's lots of examples like that Mm -hmm. throughout the day with different materials and different things that happen and our role is just to see it and be able to go over there and talk to our students and extend that learning and name it. I feel like that speaks to that idea of uh, literacy across the flow of the day and math across mm-hmm. the flow of the day. It's found in play and throughout throughout the day, in the morning and in the afternoon, in, in little moments like that. And I think perhaps sometimes to maybe parents, they might miss that, that they might just mm-hmm. see, okay, well, is my child just going to school every day and just building with magnetiles? But there's so much more that happens in that play. Yeah. And there's actually learning that's happening. So yeah. we always... When we document and we share the documentation with parents, we try to always name the learning for them within that picture so that they know, yes, this is you know a structure that's building, but there's so much rich learning that's also happening in this moment. And one of the other things that, um, the, like what the ways that that happens is partially just building on children's natural curiosity, yes. their natural inquiry. And it's also educators are really careful and intentional about how they set up the learning environment. So the materials that are selected and, and the way that they're set up are designed intentionally to, to bring forward some learning. So if educators are working on building, um, let's say children's interest and capacities around writing, one of the things they might do is when children are playing in a drama area, so that maybe they're playing, pretending to you know cook meals or whatever they might be put, pretending to do, educators come in and they use that opportunity as a place to build vocabulary and they might introduce some new words and then they might provide materials for children to create signs together yes. for and, and menus or even incorporating different opportunities with materials to provoke some math learning. So part of that that play is and the learning's happening because educators are really carefully thinking about what are the materials I'm going to provide to the kids for their play and then what am I going to do when I'm there too. Just as you said in your example, Parissa, was it was all your prompting that really also helped take what the children had brought to the experience and then you've you've brought something to the experience and it's just elevated it and and really helped bring that learning forward. And then educators also find ways to to then take that learning and extend it. So it might be, I I know I'm seeing this interest in this particular 
Maybe there's something that was noticed on a nature walk. The kids are really curious about a change they've seen. I've got a great book that I'm going to read tomorrow that's going to push their thinking a little further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's it's taking that play. And families are seeing how at home their children are learning through play. It's happening all the time. And then we take that and we just elevate it and, and bring it to that next step through through the work that educators such as yourselves are doing. Yeah, I think that's a big part of our program is looking looking to them to lead where we're going to go next. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, I think what what families want to hear too is is about the learning that their children will be receiving, but also just knowing that when they send their kids to school, that they will be cared for and appreciated in the classroom. So the question then is that maybe we could chat a little bit about, or what are some of the ways that you create a warm and welcoming space for students so that they feel that that they matter and belong in the kindergarten program? One of the things actually this year that I posted for parents was our classroom before school had started. And there was nothing. It was bare. The the walls were bare, nothing was labeled. And I posted it intentionally because I wanted parents to know that this classroom is your child's space. And throughout the year, they're going to help create it so that every moment that they walk in, every part they look at, they know they had something to do with it. Beginning of the year, the classroom gets labeled and everything, but all of that is done with the students' help. Those students that want to do it, those students who like writing, let's say, or they, they like that role of helping the teacher, those are kind of the ones that come and volunteer and you see the smile on their faces when the label, you know, for the toy gets stuck on the little bin or you label the writing materials for them. Uh, that's the level and that stays throughout the year. We also, I think really, like I said, we take the time those first few weeks and months to get to know every student so that as we plan our program, their interests, their likes, the things that are important to them can also come through. And it's not just things that we think maybe they like. You know, This year, we've had a really big interest in dinosaurs. We haven't had that the past yeah. two years. And now yeah. our classroom is filled with things about dinosaurs because we know that the kids really love dinosaurs, so why not? Um, and our new drama center yeah. was a vote, and they wanted to create an airport. So yeah. we're going to work towards that we're together. Together, an yeah. airport creation. We celebrate birthdays. We make sure we celebrate all the holidays that yeah. every student celebrates where we can. You know, sometimes you'll have only one or two children who celebrate a particular holiday. In those instances, we really try to get the family involved. Can you send us some pictures of your family, you know, celebrations? How do you do it? Get the child to come up and mm-hmm. tell us so that they feel valued. We also just run constant communication with the families. Like mm-hmm. I think that's a big part when we because you learn a lot the families they know these little ones better than anybody so we when we're in communication with them and when we have strong relationships with them then they're comfortable to message us and say you know this little one had a rough morning so then when they come in we can give that extra support or something happened on the bus and can you help support with that or something happened at home or something happened with this student. Just I think that family relationship too is helpful in in us knowing how to support that child the best way. And then I think when they walk in and the teacher knows, okay, something happened or you had a rough morning and they're talking to you about it, that makes you feel valued mm-hmm. and like you're coming into a safe space. It's yeah. all about those relationships you mentioned Mm -hmm. that that earlier Heather and I think that 
across the year, but particularly in September, kindergarten educators really set up the, 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 the day so that they have lots of time and lots of opportunity to really connect with each child. It's really through those, those small interactions matter so much in terms of each child feeling seen, feeling that they matter to their educators and mm-hmm. to their classmates, and getting to know each child. We know every child um, is different. They have their own personalities, their mm-hmm. own interests, their, their own languages, their own uh, religions and, and ethnicities and cultures and all these pieces that make them who they are. And as educators, we really value those pieces and really want to be able to um, reflect that in um, how we interact with kids, in, in the learning that we do and what our spaces look like. Because it's so important that when a child comes to kindergarten, that, as you said, Prissa, that this is their space, mm-hmm. that this is here for them. <clears throat> and um, and partnering with families is, is just a, a way that we really find we can do that right from the beginning. So one of the things that we can do is as we get to know families in in the months leading up to kindergarten, that work starts and that thinking starts right from day one. So any opportunities that families have, if, if there's something you'd like us to know about your child, mm-hmm. educators are so open to hearing those pieces and we don't want families to ever hesitate to let us know if there's something you think that we need to know. Um, educators want to hear that because they really want to create the, um, a, that warm space for those children in that room. Absolutely, yeah. and one of the things we always yeah. do is we go back to the family and say, how do you deal yes. with this situation? When this yeah. happens, what do you do? Because, again, they know their child the best. Yeah. And so if something is working at home, yeah, tell us. Tell us so yeah. we can we can do the same for our child here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then just something else you said, Ashley, made me think of, yes, like they're coming from all these different spaces, but then when they're with us, we're our own community. We're our own family. So we... You know, we like them to be able to treat our space like their like their home. You know, being respectful to everyone, respectful of our space, our toys, our materials. So it's all it's part of their life learning mm-hmm. in the classroom. Mm-hmm. For some children, prior to coming to kindergarten, they may have had experience being part of another community, whether it's being in um, like a daycare or child care mm-hmm. environment. They might have visited the local early on and gotten to interact with other kids. Yeah. The, library. um, the libraries yeah. or uh, other religious places mm-hmm. and, or, or community spaces. And so children have started to expand beyond the, just that, that, that family mm-hmm. unit and, and this is another part of that step of getting to be part of a new community. So as we build that space, absolutely, Haley, I completely agree with you that we are over time in kindergarten having children start to develop a sense of, I belong to this community mm-hmm. and, um, and I can make contributions, mm-hmm. right? The things that I share, you know, I can, I can share who I am, but then I can also learn about my classmates and I can also start to form those connections. And it's, it's a really powerful piece as children start to find more and more communities that they can be part of. Yeah, it makes them feel really special. You're starting to touch upon this uh, area of friendship, so let's talk a little bit more about that. So we know that in kindergarten, it's a time when many children have brand new opportunities to interact with other children who are around the same age as them. Um, Ashley, you talked about some circumstances they may have had previously, and and many arriving in our schools may not have had those experiences, and those they could be those uh, initial friendship developments. So we're wondering, how are those children's peer relationships supported at school? What does that look like in the classroom? 
think making friends is a big Mm -hmm. thing that families are thinking (laughs) about and what that looks like for their little one. We know that at this stage of development, children's play and their friendships can look really different. And sometimes for kids, that's something as simple as just playing with a similar material beside another friend who's playing there. And that might just be the first step. And other kids are really, really um, curious about other children and wanting to interact with them. And so I think we we start by seeing where the children are and what, what they're looking for. So we often notice, um, you know, they're curious about their friends. So then we might start to support them with that by having, you know, an educator support them in playing and helping them develop some some phrases or some language that they can use and helping them to learn one another's names. And, and naturally, as children play, they also have so many other things that they're navigating in terms of their social skills and how do I share this material with a student beside me and what do I do, you know, if... Um, if we can't work it out, and it's it's such a a learning opportunity that educators seize and and help children to think about how do we solve problems together, how do we navigate all the social dynamics in a big classroom. So educators are really there to help kids, and it's it's actually part of our learning expectations. Yeah. Part of our curriculum is social skills, mm-hmm. and so educators really help the kids to do that. So um, we start from where they are and what their experiences are, and then build from there. Yeah, yeah. The social is a huge part of our learning, every day, all day, and some kids come in knowing how to approach another friend and ask to share. And other kids need support. And you're right, we're there to help that and to give them the language. They might not realize you have to ask your friend, can I use that? Can I share with you? Not just take it. So there's a lot of learning. And I, and I know for us, over time, in the beginning, we're right there, we're with them, next to them. And over time, as we've taught and retaught and talked to, you know, Students, we might now say, okay, well, you have, you know, so-and-so is not sharing. What can you do? You go and talk. And we're still observing. But one of the other things we do as educators is it's also about when we start to see those skills happening on their own, whether it's making decisions or solving simple problems. And, you know, that could be something in simple in kindergarten is that little person who has gone from always coming to an adult to zip up their zipper mm. who turns to a friend. Can you help me? Yeah. And you see, it's like, okay, they've just found a new way to solve this problem. Yeah. And so part of it is noticing those things and celebrating it, but also making that really evident to the child too, saying, I noticed you asked your friend to start your zipper. Or I noticed you looked at the picture on the wall that mm-hmm. has all the steps and you did, you put your snow pants on before your boots this time. <laughs> Look what you've done. Yeah. And it's really about um, helping the kids also become more aware mm-hmm. of the of the skills and strategies they're starting to use. And then that not only builds the confidence, but it builds their ability to now do that again next time or try that in a new context. And so I think that's a similar thing that families often do at home too, right? When they see their child starting something new, it's it's noticing that and then naming it for their child and telling like, look at what you've done, this is incredible. And just reinforcing those skills. And then maybe the next time you see an opportunity for the child to apply that skill again, you're gonna prompt them or you're gonna create that situation where you know, I've noticed they've got these new emerging problem-solving skills. Let's let's see how they could let's let's prompt them, yes. and let's support them to try it in a new yes. way. And the other thing is our expectations around kindness and inclusivity. That's something that we spend the whole year always talking about and teaching, and so that our students know 
kindness is a must. <laughs> you know, you have to include everybody and, and be mm-hmm. kind and respectful to everyone. And so that, I think, helps our students also recognize, okay, this person is not being kind to me. That is a problem. And we want our students to be able to also notice that so that they can stand up for themselves and speak up and say that's not okay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the other side of it. So um, another piece that we've been talking about a little bit through these problem-solving skills, it's come up in our conversation, but it's those those ideas of self-help skills. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's a common question that families have and, and hopefully not a worry, but I know it's something that many families are thinking about um, as they're sending their little ones to kindergarten. So we know that learning self-help skills, so examples of that might be eating, and, uh, using the washroom, dressing in outdoor clothing. We talked about that a little bit already, using zippers and buttons that's part of early childhood learning and we know that um, students starting kindergarten they will have strengths in this area and and many are still developing those skills and that is absolutely okay so we're wondering if you could just share with families what are some ways that you are supporting children with self-help skills particularly in the first few weeks of school as they transition into the program what does that look like Lots of modeling, (laughs) showing step-by-step, breaking it down, even, you know, first day before snack starts. We stop everybody. What is it going to look like? You're going to go take your lunch bag. You're putting it down. You're going to go wash your hands. Very, very methodical (laughs) step-by-step instruction. And we demo all of that. Yes. And I think as the year progresses, it's a little bit more of, Okay, you try for right here, but you try to open this, or you try your zipper, or you try your shoe. Um, and we always tell parents we're there to help, and that's the thing that we celebrate. A lot of times, maybe a child tries and they can't do it, but we still celebrate that they tried. Look, you tried, now I'll help you. For us, it's, we want the kids to just be willing to take that risk to try, and if it doesn't happen, that's okay. You'll try again tomorrow or the next time there's an opportunity, and we're here to help you in the meantime, but if I always do it for you, you're never going to learn, and we want you to learn. And that's what we always say to parents Mm -hmm. during Discover to Kindergarten, curriculum night, all of it is, please just give your child an opportunity to practice. These situations at home, sometimes parents have a lot more time. Yeah to do that, whereas in a school environment, the bell's ringing, it's recess time, it's a bit more rushed. But at home, if you know you're going out and it's winter time, if you can, have your child start to get dressed, you know, 15 minutes earlier so that they can just take their time and they can try multiple times and it's okay and nobody's rushed and it's not stressful and it can just be done in a fun way where they learn the skills. That's our biggest thing to parents. Practice at home first, for sure. And, you know, we set a curriculum night about winter clothing. So that's back in, you know, end of September. We're meeting them and saying, winter's going to come. It's going to come before you know it. And then you're going to, you know, um, have all these things that your child needs to wear and be able to put on. And they... They, like Prissa said, they're one-on-one or one-on maybe two or three at home. They can spend the time to really, you know, get them to practice with everything. Lunch boxes, getting dressed for outside, using the bathroom. We're there to support for sure. Yeah. 
One of the other things that educators do that um, might even help families at home is we often find that the things we say to kids aren't permanent. As soon as we say it, it's gone. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard for, for children to hold all that spoken information in their minds. So we often like to create pictures mm -hmm. or little stories that we could put um, up that becomes a reference for a child. Mm -hmm. We talked about uh, winter clothing, using the washroom, any of those things, we can put little photos in order yeah. Yeah. of what those stages look like. Because sometimes even as children start to do it, they do the med order yeah. Yeah. or they skip a step that's yeah. important. And so we'll post those and, and use those as a reference with kids. And that might even be something a family yeah. could do at home if they mm -hmm. wanted to take pictures of of what getting you know dressed yeah, in the morning looks sure. like or, or what putting your outdoor clothing on looks like and then that just becomes another little support for for a child yeah. to be able to do these skills and it's also about knowing that um, you know when you can make things fun right yes. and that makes such yes. a difference yeah. play a game where you know you're racing your child to get mm -hmm. dressed and you can be very silly and slow yeah. and let them win and yeah. little things just to make it enjoyable um, and and we know that um, you know, they'll still need support with those things. So we're, we're there to do that. And building in, especially in the beginning of the year, educators intentionally set up their day so that there is time for all of these pieces yes. as best as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's still not always as much as, you know, as we, we hope it could be. But in the beginning of the year, there's a lot of really careful attention to transitions when we're, mm -hmm. you know, arriving and going home and, and eating and there's lots of times where educators are prompting if a child is having a tricky time with any of these pieces often what you may find if um, as a, a parent or as a guardian you might have the educator say we're let you know we're really struggling with these shoes mm -hmm. or we were you know we're yes. having trouble with this piece and um, looking for advice from families like you know here's what we're seeing what do you think and we really do want to hear from families what um, maybe you know my child really struggles with the sensory piece of putting on a shoe or they really love this piece um, and so finding out sharing those ideas those insights are really helpful so that for some children if they need a little extra if they need a little personalization mm -hmm. Finding that out from families is, is a way that we can start to think if, if we know how it works at home. Um, it might not be exactly the same at school, but there could be a piece that we can bring forward to to help that. Yeah. So um, it's it just comes back to that communication and come back to partnership between families and schools. Funny enough, we have a poem, a song for getting ready for outside. Mm -hmm. And it is posted and we repeat it and sing it over and over and over again. And so, sometimes we'll find we'll hear we'll it hear in our them cubby singing, space yeah, they're singing uh, to try or they're to they're telling yeah. their friends, you know, yeah. snow pants first, and yeah. then they're pointing to the yeah. to the song on the wall. Yeah. So yeah, those things are really helpful with kids, yeah. the repetition and, and a little joy, a little fun, yeah. a little song. And then it's fun. Yeah, you can get yeah. so far with a song yes. in kindergarten. Yeah, <laughs> and that leads us to sort of the the bathroom and being independent in the bathroom. You know, if your child's just learning how to go independently, you know, maybe stay away from snaps and too many buttons on their clothes. Just go for easy sweatpants or, you know, um, someone who might like to wear a dress, make sure they're able to manage the dress and the tights and all those layers because um, that's a lot for them to deal with alone in the bathroom. You know, we're at school, we're sitting on the floor, they're bending over, you know. Yeah. Think about all fashion. those things um, when you get your child dressed in the morning. 
So we've talked a lot about dressing. I'm wondering if you could give family some tips as well around eating. So are there suggestions sure. for what lunch packing and yeah. snack, what, what, what does yeah. that look like? And what are some tips for families that yeah. you have? I, I think first of all, send things you know your children like to eat. School's not a good time to try new things during the day. Don't send something you've never sent before. And things that are uh, easy, easy to eat and things that they can eat with their hands. They wash their hands at school all the time. If they like to use a utensil, great. Make sure you send those along. And the the things you send them in the containers, practice. Practice using containers at home. Um, again, the more independent they can be at school, the happier they're going to be. We'll certainly help them open their thermos or refill their water bottle. But the more they can do, the better. So again, with um, being functional, a nice, easy lunchbox, you know, is perfect. Making sure the containers all fit nicely inside. You know, mom or dad or the guardian at home might be able to fit it all in, like, you know, all nice and zippered up, but it was tricky. So then you can't expect a three-year-old to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I did for my own children before they started kindergarten in the summertime, the last couple of weeks of summer, I would serve their lunch in what mm. I knew was their lunch container, and I would have a clothes in there. And so now they're practicing, yeah, you know, and they would, and I would watch where are the areas where they're struggling. Okay, this container actually they can't open it. So that's a great tip that they can try. Just yeah. if you have everything ready, start to just serve some of the meals that you can in those containers and see if there's any problems that you can troubleshoot or practice. Yes. Another thing to let families know is um, in terms of how eating times are um, managed in kindergarten is we do have um, a lunch time. Yes. We do have that yes. designated lunch time. We also have, um, we as educators often refer to it as open snack, but it's yeah. that idea that children can eat when they're hungry. Yes. So we provide times across the day, um, right from, from Entry really to the end of the day, if a child is hungry, they're able to access their snack. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another big piece because we know families all have a different route to school in the morning. Some come straight from home and they might have eaten maybe 30 minutes before school. Others have gone to before and after care early in the morning. And so when they're starting school, say at 8.30 or 9, um, they might already be ready for a little snack and that's Mm -hmm. okay. So um, children are able to go back to their lunch and eat a little more Mm -hmm. or to have a morning snack. Um, Some kids, um, I mean, they can eat anything they like at any time, whatever the family sends. But what some families do like to do is um, help their child think about what's the snack item and what's the lunch yes. item. So sometimes they'll put a little sticker on the container that that's, you know, the sun stickers for the morning and, mm-hmm. you know, the sandwich sticker is for lunchtime. You know, but again, they the kids will, they're invited to eat what they've got. But I think it's letting families know that um, children can eat when, they, when they're hungry. Um, and we know that at this age, some kids might not also yet quite recognize their own body's cues that they're hungry. So we will remind them and prompt them. Yes. So we might say to a little person, you know, it's about 1030. Notice you haven't had any snack yet. Let's check in. How's your belly feeling? And talk about it mm-hmm. um, so that we're helping them to recognize their own hunger cues and then eat across the day. Mm-hmm. We do have open snack in our classroom mm-hmm. and we find some kids, the minute they get in, that's what they want to do first. They're hungry. Yeah. Listen, they could have been up since six o'clock this morning, right? Without mm-hmm. a lot of breakfast yet. So they're welcome to eat 
whenever they'd like in that first block of time before recess. And it's more flexible with time too. They can sit and it's a nice social time for them to sit with a friend and talk and then uh, not feel as rushed to have snack. And lunchtime is, you know, we are a little more under a time constraint. I'm wondering uh, if we might talk a little bit about students with disabilities. Uh, I know families listening might be wondering uh, about what that transition looks like for, for their children who may have a disability. So we know that kindergarten is for every single child. Every child enters into kindergarten with a wide variety of strengths and interests and needs. And in some cases, the transition to school for children with disabilities or any other special education needs um, will take special consideration and special planning for these learners to make sure that they have the best possible start and transition to school. So how are students with disabilities supported in the kindergarten classroom? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll maybe I'll start with um, a few suggestions and a few ideas of some of the things that we do across the board and then certainly Haley and Pris if you want to provide any examples I'll, I'll welcome you to do that. Um, in YRDSB, we have some strong partnerships with a number of community partners um, that families may be already working with. So for example, early intervention services. Uh, some families may already be partnered and working with an early interventionist. Um, and so what we do is to start off the transition process is there is um, an information evening that we host in January. And then each school will um, partner with um, those families in advance of of the fall, so have an opportunity to connect in the spring and, and to meet and have conversations about what your child's uh, specific strengths are and what their needs are and to, to hear what is working well either in the home or in a childcare space and to plan really carefully for how we support that. Mm -hmm. So that could look any anywhere from maybe creating some little social narrative, little so social stories to, to send home to help your child prepare and to know what to expect. It could be thinking about some accommodations that are maybe required in the environment. Maybe there's some pieces that are gonna be helpful for your child if you put in place ahead of time. Um, it could also be thinking about you know a child's sensory needs or their communication needs. And so hearing what your child uh, currently can do and what they require support with helps the school to, to plan that so that it's a really successful transition also know that there may be families who are not currently accessing any supports but they do know that their child has um, an additional need or has a, a disability so for those families what we would recommend is when you register for kindergarten um, let the school know just how you know have a conversation either call the school um, each school on our website um, they list their email addresses or you can get in touch with the principal just to let them know um, your child and uh, what their needs are because we do want to be able to plan really intentionally ahead of time for that and and then once children start into the school year in the fall um, just as you said Heather every child is is welcome in kindergarten and so one of the things that we like to say is that um, starting kindergarten it's not not about getting your child ready for kindergarten it's about getting ourselves ready for your child so we want to want to be able to do that and create a space where every child can um, really participate fully in the play-based kindergarten program to um, to learn and to to make friends and to form relationships with their educators so it's really that every child is 
is welcomed just as they are. And we're going to work, as, as I think we've talked about throughout um, our conversation today, we've talked a lot about partnership and, and really being child-centered. And it's also very, very true for children that have disabilities or other special education needs is that we really uh, do want to be able to personalize and make sure that every child um, feels welcome. And I would add that within the school board, we also have access to bringing in our speech and language pathologists, PTOT specialists, psychologists. In our classroom, we work closely with uh, speech pathologists. Yeah. They're, they're often in. If they feel like there's anything, any strategies we can implement, because again, they are the experts, and so we look to them for suggestions. Um, they provide us with a lot of visual supports, a lot of, you know, some students might require a visual schedule, a dressing board, um, some choice boards, all those things we can access through our professional partners within the board. So once we know what the, the needs are, then we can tap into those resources and they're all meant to just help support the learning mm -hmm. of the student in the classroom. Yeah. yeah, and we do set up our environments to really be designed so that every child has an entry point. So um, whether it's, um, you know, what, whatever the, the child's particular strengths or needs are, everyone has that, that um, entry point into play. And then for, for children that need a little bit of extra personalization, um, that's something that we put into place. And absolutely, I uh, just want to second what you've said, Parissa, about um, our partners in um, our student services department that will come in and, and support educators in knowing how to tailor instruction for individual children as well as that's needed so we can make sure that everyone feels that they matter, feels that they belong in their program and are really successful. And sometimes also they're just simple accommodations that mm -hmm, we can mm -hmm. make to make a child feel successful, you know. Yeah. Instead of sitting on the mat, you can sit on a chair. Yeah. Instead of a chair, you can sit on a wobbly stool. Um, the classroom feels too noisy. Here's some headphones, headphones. you know, while yeah. you're playing. Just little things like that. Would you like to go for a walk? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're very simple things, mm -hmm. but I think they do make a big difference in helping our students feel successful throughout the day. We know many children entering kindergarten in York Region come from families that speak one or more languages other than English. So we invite you now to share some ideas around how are you building on multilingual children's language strengths in kindergarten? And also emphasizing how are you supporting children who are learning English for the first time at school? Well, we know from brain research mm -hmm. that maintaining both languages has huge benefits for kids. And I think one of the first things that we often want to share with families is if you speak um, multiple languages, it might be one, two, three, four languages, this is an outstanding benefit for your child. And so uh, we want families to know that um, we encourage and support the continued use of, of um, your child's home language as well as English and other languages they may speak and we want to bring that into the classroom so that um, children can use their home language and the new English words that they're acquiring in the classroom um, and and we want to be able to really help children to communicate we want them to be able to use their language gestures pictures whatever it is they use to communicate um, and and we want to hear from families as an example maybe um, there's a few words that we could learn in your language mm -hmm. that we could use to support your child so key words around um, maybe your child's needs across the day um, if families can share those with us then 
that's something we can use and build that familiarity because we know use of home language connects children not only to communication and meaning, but it connects them to their families. It connects them to their cultures, to to who they are, and, and they bring that with them into the classroom. So we really want, um, even though everyone is, is you know, communicating um, in different ways, we want to be able to celebrate and honor um, all the different ways that everyone communicates. You know, in our classroom, we often have little groups of students <laughs> speaking other languages, and it's actually quite wonderful to see so cute. Um, those friendships being built and, and these kids accessing their first language. Yeah, Within. we really don't worry about that. When someone comes in mm-hmm. um, without English, that's okay. It's mm-hmm. It actually works really well in kindergarten. It's not really a huge concern for us. Mm-hmm. And we do try, luckily, we have lots of different languages in our classroom. We do try to, you know, pair them with someone that might be able to speak their language and help them through the first little while to get them comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just I, works. I play, I've been trying to teach <laughs> a few students some vo- English vocabulary, and there right, there's three Russian-speaking students, and they love this where I show them a picture and they tell me the word in Russian and I try to pronounce it and it's always <laughs> met with giggles because I'm sure I'm saying it all wrong and then I try to tell them the English vocabulary. So it's not about, we really want to encourage their first language and validate that and let them know that it's a wonderful thing that you speak another language and you know, I'm interested in learning it. Teach me, you're the expert. And then here's the English vocabulary to go along with it that you can access. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great example of how educators provide really fun and playful instruction in acquiring a new language is it's it is playful and joyful and we talked earlier in our conversation about play-based learning and one of the opportunities for language learning that happens in play is um, everything is really connected to the meaning and the context so if we are building a tower together and we're using words like big or block and we're using language in context we're modeling it for kids inviting them to try to say it and it's um, also connected to something that matters to them so they're Mm -hmm. also acquiring words that they are excited about so that they can now have some language that they can start to use with their peers and it's all really authentic and it's very meaningful because it's connected to play and and what children are excited about and I think the other thing too is that we generally teach vocabulary to all of our students. When we have, let's say, a science inquiry happening, we take the time to teach certain vocabulary. And so it's not just this isolated thing that's happening for our English learners. It's something that happens for everybody. And we want all of our students to enrich their vocabulary and their language when they come in. So it does also happen just naturally mm-hmm. in the learning, too. Thank you so much, everyone. I feel like we hopefully have answered many questions that families might have. Um, I'm wondering, Ashley, if you might outline what is the registration process? So this conversation helped answer some questions that families have, but now they're wondering what next? What Mm -hmm. are those next steps? So we are really excited that um, kindergarten registration is opening 
in January and registration continues from January up and like and continuing into school. We know that families might move to our region even after school has started so the registration doesn't close um, but that being said it starts really early because surprisingly um, we start planning for the next year already in the winter before because uh, it takes quite a lot to um, you know to get all our families uh, registered and organized so it starts early. If families uh, are ready to register one of the things that they can do is they can um, they have two routes. They can either register um, using a paper registration form in person. They can come into the school and ask for support. So if families need translation or interpretation services, they can ask for that support from the school. And they can either have a computer provided at the school to fill out an electronic version or they can do a paper copy. If families are more comfortable doing that from home, they absolutely can. We do have online registration. And so what you would do as a family is you would go to www yrdsb.ca slash kindergarten and you'll see all the information there there are um, you know videos to look at there's FAQs to look at and you'll see a link to the registration form and then once you fill that out the school will reach out to you for next step and and so that's what registration looks like once families have registered then over the next several months leading into kindergarten is when we start looking at opportunities to get to know one another once you've registered, um, one of the things you'll do is you're invited to fill out a little questionnaire to share some information about your child. And then uh, the school will reach out to families to invite you to something called Discover Kindergarten. Discover Kindergarten is an event that schools host where families, um, their child and the, the guardians are invited to come into the school and to get to see what the school looks like, to see the spaces, a couple of the different classrooms that um, that are in, in that school, to see maybe some of the spaces like the library or the outdoor yard area. And it's also to meet the staff. So the event will have um, a variety of different staff from the school, so you'll get to start to form some relationships. And it becomes an opportunity to um, get to know one another. If you have questions, certainly you're invited to ask them. Um, and what we do is we set up a, a very place and fun experience so that your child can start to get familiar with this new environment and get really excited about it. Um, it's an opportunity for your child to get to meet some other peers, to play in the classroom, interact with educators. And as we're doing that, we're really wanting to get to know one another and get to meet your child and to see who they are um, and to learn from you. Because our, our educators, um, we talked earlier about setting up an environment in the fall that is really personalized and designed for your child and so this is where we get to start to learn who they are and to start to think about that and so each school um, it looks a little different at every school the schools will plan an event that meets the community's needs in terms of the timing and all of those pieces so for a family what you'll do is you'll look out for communication from the school they'll send you um, an email and if you haven't provided an email address they might reach out by phone to let you know um, when this event is happening happening at your school. They typically happen April, May, June, but again, it looks really different um, in each school community, depending on what's best for that community. And um, the school will also provide additional uh, communication. So um, some schools host an information event for families. Others um, will also send presentations of information for, for parents and caregivers. And um, these are just different opportunities so that both all the adults get a chance to ask questions and get to know each other. And then 
Discover Kindergarten provides that opportunity for, for the children. And so this is all in the months leading up to school, usually through the spring months. Um, but once we've actually started school in September, there continues to be events across the fall where families can come into the school and connect. So schools often host uh, Meet the Staff evening uh, in September and we also have an opportunity later in the fall um, for year one or, or JK families to come in for a short visit and view the classroom um, and observe what their child is doing and so what we really want to do is have a number of opportunities over several months for families and, and schools to come together and, and share information. And I just wanted to reiterate that absolutely we have lots of things to share as a school board, but we want to hear from families just as much. We want to know about your family, about your child, uh, what your hopes and wishes are for your little one. And, and uh, we want to use that to really make a successful transition for everyone. Thank you, Ashley. All right, I think we're actually going to end with a quote from Dr. Jean Clinton. She, she's a child psychologist and someone whose work we draw from often in our work uh, with kindergarten. So she says, there is now overwhelming knowledge that tells us that healthy development cannot happen without strong relationships between children and the important people in their lives, both within their family and outside of it. And relationships are the active ingredient in children's development. And I think our conversation today hopefully lifted that idea again of the importance of those strong relationships. We value family as partners. We feel it's crucial and so important to get to know every child who enters our kindergarten program. And it's so also important that we've emphasized that collaboration between the designated early childhood educator and the kindergarten teacher. We are focused on creating warm and welcoming spaces where every single student feels that they belong, that they matter, and that they're included. I want to emphasize to families once again, if you do have questions, you can reach out to your child's school, and you can also visit the website that Ashley mentioned, which is www.yrdsb.ca kindergarten, where there is a lot of information for you to access there to support the transition to school. We would like to thank the team and the guests for joining us today and sharing your insights with us. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, yeah, thank thank you. for having us. Thank you. And for those of you tuning in, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us for Tune In YRDSB. Please join us next time to continue the conversation.